Hello, my name is Elijah Downsey, head of multimedia at the Brown Political Review. Today, I'm joined by Hao Tian Lu, a multimedia associate here at the magazine. On this episode of BPR Radio, we discuss the death of Jiang Zemin and Zemin's impact on China and the wider international community. So, Hao Tian. Could you tell us a bit about Jiang Zemin's life and early upbringing? Yeah, uh, Jiang Zemin was born in the city of Yangzhou uh, in the Jiangsu province on 17th of August 1926. He grew up during the years of Japanese occupation. He attended the uh, Department of Electrical Engineering at the National Central University in Japanese-occupied Nanjing, where he also had to learn Japanese. And he transferred later to Shang,、uh, Jiao Tong University, the National Jiao Tong University, currently the Shanghai Jiao Tong University in China. And he graduated in 1947 with a degree in electrical engineering, and he joined、um, the Chinese Communist Party during the time of his time in college. And after the People's Republic of China was founded, he received his training at the Stalin Automobile Works in Moscow in the 1950s, and he worked for Changchun's first automobile works. In 1962, he came back to Shanghai and became the deputy director of Shanghai Electric Research Institute, and. When the Cultural Revolution began in 1966, he didn't really suffer greatly because of that,、uh, but he had to change、uh, a, to a different position, and he went to the、uh, the seventh, the May seventh Cadre School of China as a director. And in nineteen in 1970, he left the、uh, Cadre School and became deputy director of Foreign Affairs Bureau in the ministry, and he went to Romania and. Led a team to build fifteen manufacturing plants in that country as part of a collaboration between China and Romania, and later on in nineteen eighty five he became the mayor of Shanghai. And some interesting things、uh, about Jiang Zemin is that he not only is an outstanding was an outstanding engineer,、mm. but he also was a polyglot.、Uh, he speak he spoke very good English.、Uh, there's this interview between、um, him and Mike Wallace. Uh, Mike Wallace of CBS uh, uh, many years ago, but in which he、uh, spoke in English with Mike Wallace and talked about you know politics, answers to his questions, and he knows Japanese,、um, and he also knows Russian, and he also knows a bit of Romanian, and he's known to greet foreign、uh, diplomats in their languages、uh, when they meet them, when they meet him, and he also、uh, is he also has. Uh, a lot of interest in music, in art, and as a person, Jones means probably he's gonna fit right into Brown's open curriculum. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> so be- besides being a politician engineer, he probably would have been an outstanding Brown student. Yeah, about、yeah. <laughs> that. So, so, so,、yeah. how did how did this political context shape his political influence within the Politburo, and how did it also shape the important domestic policies that he would、uh, pursue during his time in leadership? Um, do you mean his experience?、Um, yeah. So, so、um, sort of his、um, mainly focusing on on how、uh, the political context around、uh, political context that which happened at the time in which he was sort of integrating himself in the Politburo. How this shaped his domestic policies or、um, his actions within party leadership. See,、uh, well, I think that Jiang Zemin's most important political influence、um, during his time in the Politburo and later on as leader、uh, of the country is that he established 
um, economic development as the central principle of China's overall strategy, and um, as an continuation as a continuation of Deng Xiaoping's reform and opening strategy,、mm-hmm. Jiang Zemin did a very good job in the nineties, because, well, in the eighties,、uh, Deng Xiaoping、uh, introduced and put into practice a lot of reforms in terms of privatizing nationally owned enterprises, reforming these enterprises because of their inefficiency, and introduced market economy to China, which did not happen before Deng Xiaoping, and, but Deng Xiaoping、uh, was not the person. Who actually made this fully happen?、Um, Jiang Zemin was the one who、um, continued this process and actually made it work、uh, in the '90s and early 2000s by、uh, integrating China into the global、uh, economic system by negotiating、um, trade deals with the world, including uh, well uh, countries that China was at odds with, including the U.S.、Um, For example, in two thousand and one, China joined WTO, but before that, it took a lot of effort from Jiang Zemin's side to actually make it happen. And in the nineties, he also continued the、uh, reformation of the、um, publicly owned enterprises. He either privatized them or reformed them so that there's more efficiency, so that China doesn't waste its resources. And in terms of、um, More of like a global、uh, and diplomatic strategy.、Uh, Jiang Zemin、uh, maintains sort of like a low profile globally because、um, there is this、um, proverb in China、um, that、uh, Deng Xiaoping was really、uh, using that as part of his strategy was to.、Uh, it's called Taoguang Yanghui. You know,、uh, for it's basically it could it could be interpreted as saving up your energy. And improving yourself before you do anything—that's、mm. uh, that's like an ancient saying that is really hard kind of to translate, but it is the idea. And so,、um, you mentioned what 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 seems to be clear in your analysis of、um, Jiang Zemin's、uh, political influence is that there is a main focus on economic growth,、mm-hmm. uh, both domestically and. Economic growth as a means of driving、uh, China's relationship with the wider international community.、Mm-hmm. Could any connection here be made to、uh, China's current role in the international community, specifically、uh, with the policies of、uh, Xi Jinping? Okay,、um, I think that before we go into、uh, the current policies of、uh, Xi Jinping,、um, I think there's an interesting、um, contrast. Between、uh, what China was doing in the nineties in terms of、mm-hmm. uh, like international interactions, like diplomacy, and what China is doing now,、uh, because、uh, what Jiang Zemin encountered, as I mentioned a little earlier,、uh, it was a time of like global turmoil, especially in the、uh, Eastern Bloc, Eastern Europe. Communism、mm-hmm. in these countries、um, ended, and the biggest communist state, the Soviet Union, was no longer there,、mm-hmm. and also there is. Um, an interesting dynamic between the U.S. and China, especially after the world,、uh, the Cold War ended.、Uh, for example, in、um, in ninety three,、um, the U.S. detained a cargo ship,、uh, the Yinhe cargo ship、uh, of China, because the U.S. accused it of shipping、uh, nuclear material to Iran. And then in ninety five to ninety six, there was a Taiwan Strait crisis. So the the, the relationship between Uh, the U.S. and China was not a, at its ideal spot, 
and especially uh, it's showcased in the uh, 1999 incident um, in, during the Kosovo War, mm. when NATO um, bombed the Chinese embassy in Yugoslavia, it led to the death of three people and injuries of more than 20. Uh, it, this caused like a huge national rage and a, a large wave of protests in China against what uh, happened in, in that embassy. But China was not really taking revenge towards that action. Uh, a lot of people were not happy about that, but it is what happened. And really, uh, from what we can see in the 90s and what we can see nowadays, that you know what China's um, sort of like expressing its opinions, its its standpoints, it's it's like a completely different attitude. It seems mm-hmm. that China is a lot more confident, I would say, in the sense of asserting its role, its its rights. Uh, on a global scale, uh, in terms of territorial disputes and you know trade relations, all of that. So, I think that really this contrast uh, during the past like thirty years really um, happened because uh, China uh, during Jiang Zemin's time uh, still tried to maintain a collaborative relationship, uh, in t- especially in terms of like I said, economic development with the U.S. And its allies in general, because if you look at the timeline, China joined WTO in 2001, mm-hmm. but the embassy got bombed in 99. The Taiwan Strait crisis happened around five to six years before China joined the WTO. But during that time, China was preparing this transformation from a more uh, secluded economy to a very open and globally engaged economy. So China, especially Jiang Zemin, probably realized the importance of focusing on what is the most crucial for China's development, which is basically making money. Mm-hmm. And Jiang Zemin actually expressed that uh, publicly uh, by using another proverb saying that, you know, if you want to be taken seriously and respected, you must have cash. The original translation would some, be something like, if you want to have a stronger breath, you can have cash in your pocket. Mm-hmm. That's, and if you're behind, you get bullied, mm-hmm. which was really the sentiment that China has been uh, experiencing because of... Uh, colonization in the late 19th century, you know, mm. failures in a lot of wars ever since the Qing dynasty, and then a very hard fought victory against the Japanese. Mm. It's, it's really, it's part of the uh, Chinese um, sentiment. And like, it has a huge impact on the um, national pride and dignity for the Chinese people. So he was building on that, but he, he also got criticized because of the Yugoslavia incident mm. that, you know, he was not responding very, uh, in some people's views, not very strongly against what happened. But really, he was looking at the bigger picture here. He was looking at maintaining a global strategy, making money by collaborating with the U.S., entering the WTO, which allowed China to use its uh, manufacturing uh, capacities and lower cost to uh, become the supplier of basically the world. Mm -hmm. And also that helped China to get a lot of new information, modes of development, uh, technology over the past like 20, 30 years. And because of that, like there's so much collaboration and communication in terms of uh, all sorts of development, which made it possible for China to be uh, become the second largest economy today. And um, it, it would not have been possible if Jiang Zemin chose the harder, stronger way and chose not to collaborate so much with um, the U.S. and its allies. And so you mentioned um, Zemin's focus on the bigger picture in driving his uh, relationship 
specifically with the U.S. Um, and sort of with other members of the international community, despite various incidents, like you mentioned with the Yugoslavia bombing, mm-hmm. um, where does she's where do she's current uh, policies stand in relation to this bigger picture that um, Zemin was really focused on? Is 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 she? Is she's uh, are she's foreign policies the culmination of sort of Zemin's uh, emphasis on economic growth and that emphasis on sort of that bigger picture? Mm, I would say uh, it could be seen as that because mm-hmm. um, really, like the leadership uh, within the Chinese Communist Party is a generational process in which one later generation builds on the legacy of the previous one. So, for example, uh, Mao Zedong created the nation. He built the country from zero to something. Mm. And then Deng Xiaoping was the person to actually try to find the balance between maintaining China's socialism and uh, making the people uh, richer, basically having a better life, or actually more accurately, get rid of poverty. And he did that by doing the reform and opening strategy. And he introduced market economy. And Jiang Zemin actually did so by building on Deng Xiaoping's model. And Deng Xiaoping, he continued his policies, but he also did his own thing by realizing that the, the mode of the Soviet Union would not work for China, but China also was not suitable to transform into what the U.S. or like other European countries, Western European or Northern European countries were doing. So he found China's own path, which mm. he built on Deng Xiaoping's legacy. And Deng Xiaoping actually built on Mao Zedong's legacy, of course, because he is the person who founded the nation. Mm. And after Jiang Zemin, there, is, there came Hu Jintao. Hu Jintao further engaged China in global trade and also did not uh, actually maintain a very a strong or like strong man image uh, compared to uh, Xi Jinping. Xi Jinping is actually uh, building on the legacy of uh, Hu Jintao and Jiang Zemin uh, in terms of because when he became the leader of China, mm-hmm. China was already uh, taken over so many countries in terms of uh, economic strength. It mm-hmm. is a major player in international trade. Yeah. And China has a lot more to say. China is actually going closer and closer to that proverb in which you can actually be taken seriously, have a stronger breath when you have yeah. cash in the pocket because China now has cash, at least some, a certain amount of cash in mm-hmm. its pockets now. Yeah. And that definitely gave uh, the current generation of leadership a lot more confidence to take China on a, uh, in terms of uh, on a global scale, a bigger role, mm-hmm. uh, a more of a leader role and and more influential mm. as we can see and china is trying to uh, focus on more of like a because xi jinping introduced this concept of a um i'm not exactly sure how the words are in english mm. but um he is looking at the collective fate of humanity mm. and this is something that previous generations were not exactly introducing or at least not focusing on too much um, but he's looking at that because of China's increased strength. And by f- uh, introducing that, he also um, started these strategies of, for example, uh, the Belt and Road Initiative, which has been going on for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, that really gives China um, 
this opportunity to like help the development not just for itself but also other countries in the world. And the U.S. might see it as a threat, but regardless of how people look at it,、uh, it is it would not have been possible without a continuing, a continuation of a sequence of decades of planning in terms of China's long-term development between these different generations of Chinese Communist Party leadership. Yeah, and as was mentioned before, I mean,、uh, Zemin is、uh, is crucial to this planning、um, yeah. that sets up. Uh, sort of this increased strength that we're seeing now in in current foreign politics.、Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just interested in the reception of his death、um, in China. How 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 is his death being received?、Um, yes. So when that happened,、um, immediately it went on national news,、mm. and he is very much a respected uh, individual, uh, a leader in、mm. China. So,、um, people、uh, were mourning him,、uh, and officially,、uh, the leadership also.、Mm-hmm. So really,、um, it's、um, uh, it's just big news,、uh, sad news for the country and for the people. That's the narrative,、mm-hmm. and、uh, I think it's fully justified、uh, because of his accomplishments and contributions to China, especially during a time when China was actually. In a stage of like crucial development,、mm-hmm. and on a st- and also at a point where China was changing gears, looking for its own path for for the future. So、yeah. yes, so he, he had definitely has a huge legacy, and because of him, tens of millions of people got rid of poverty, and a lot more people have also gotten better lives.、Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think is his most iconic moment?、Uh, iconic moment, as in like interacting with. Um, diplomats and you know yeah with, with diplomats the press yeah um I think I just want to go back to that CBS interview、yeah. uh, with uh, Mike Wallace because they were talking about、um, his experiences as like as a student learning English and he also worked as a teacher for a while so John Zemin actually mentioned that he used you know、uh, texts by people like Thomas Jefferson and Abraham Lincoln and Mike Wallace was asking him of like what do you know did you Uh, what did you teach your students that? And he was like, "I taught them the Gettysburg Address," and he actually recited part of that、um, Gettysburg Address by heart in English by Abraham Lincoln. Wow. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Haotian, for、yeah. joining us and、uh, really giving us more insight into the legacy of Jiang Zemin and、um, its impacts on current、uh, politics and foreign affairs. Um, and thank you very much for to our all of our listeners for listening to this episode of BPR Radio.、Um, for more content like this, check out BPR Radio whenever wherever you get podcasts, and also visit brownpoliticalreview.org to see more of the exciting work we're doing here at the Brown Political Review. Thank you very much.